This is Pastor Chadwick King. I hope you enjoy the ministry of God's Holy Word today provided by the Promise Center Media Ministry. Please share this lesson or sermon with your friends and family. And may the Lord bless you. Good evening. God bless you. Are we, uh, not are we, but we are definitely a fortunate church to have a worship team like we have. We uh, enter into the presence of the Lord every time they start playing, and I am beyond humbled by the way that they serve us in worship. So I just want to tell them, hey guys, thank you very much. And I also want to thank Pastor Chad for inviting me to, uh, to have this opportunity to speak with you this evening. Uh, it's, it's a uh, pretty humbling event when a pastor says, hey, would you stand in for me while I'm gone? So I want to uh, encourage him and thank him for, for leading us the way that he does as well. So I'm going to start the evening off with the words that we all hated in high school. Pop quiz. <laughs> True or false? One of two most reported causes of fights in marriage is money. Absolutely. I'll let you guys think about what the number two is. Three quarters of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. True or false? Now stop and think about that for a second. That means they are one paycheck away from a disaster. Americans owe $3.6 trillion in consumer debt. True or false? Yeah. Yeah, consumer debt means credit cards, car loans, personal loans, things of that nature. And one-third of Americans have less than $1,000 saved. True or false? Yeah, there's a pattern there. They're all true. And that's the challenge. So over the next 30 minutes or so, I, I hope to share with you three very important things about the foundations of financial freedom. Number one, it's a lie. I'll explain it. Number two, God first. And number three, it's your money or your life. Those are the three points I'd like to go over with you. And what I'd like to do first, though, is let's pause and just pray for the message, if you would bow your heads with me. Father God, we come tonight expectant of your word and your spirit. We ask that you would fill us with, with your spirit as we hear your word. And Lord, we ask that you would touch our lives in a way that we hadn't had before. In Jesus' name, amen. So point number one is it's a lie. And I know it's an interesting thing to say when I'm talking about the, the foundations of financial freedom for me to come in and say it's a lie. And I've named the, the sermon tonight or the message tonight going for broke simply because that's how we live a lot of our life is that we are acting like we're going for broke. But it's a lie. And I want to start by telling you that the one who's lied to you is the one that you would expect. It's the deceiver. Satan himself has lied to you. And many Americans have bought into the lie that more is better. Bigger houses, more cars, more stuff, uh, more is better. We've bought into it. The keeping up with the Joneses is a, is a lifestyle that we've uh, grabbed onto and held onto. And we've been told that to live in Sonoma County, you have to have two incomes to be able to survive here. Now, with the housing, pricing, housing prices going up as much as they have been lately, lately uh, that is more true than I'd like it to be. I think this is the first generation of kids in Sonoma County that just might not be able to buy a home in Sonoma County where they grew up. But if you're fortunate enough to live in a comfortable home that you might be renting or live in a comfortable home that you've owned for a while, is it absolutely necessary to have two incomes in Sonoma County to survive? And sometimes it is, but I think the majority of the time it is not. 
We've been told that the evidence of our success is the stuff that we have, the type of car that we drive, the type of clothing that we wear, the shoes on our feet. And it's a lie. And it's Satan's best tool for you and for me. The truth is that many families are fighting to stay afloat, they're fighting to stay married, and they're fighting for that freedom that they want to have. We don't have to wake up in the middle of the night and worry about where the next paycheck's coming from or worry about where the next bill is getting paid. Financial freedom, however, is not determined by what you own or what you wear or what you have or even the zeros in your bank account. It's not determined by that. It's determined by the image of the one whom you're made in. You're made in the image of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And that's where your value and your worth. And our, our society will tell you that your value and your worth is found in, in those things that you have. And that you will never find peace unless you have those things. Stop and think about it. All the commercials that we see, all the advertisements that we read. Financial freedom, however, God-given true financial peace is marked by how you control the dollars God gives you. Not how you spend them but how you control them, how you use them for his glory and how you use them for his honor. There have been some surveys out that says almost half of Americans say they are increasingly stressed about their ability to provide for families' basic needs, just the basic needs. Eight out of ten say that the economy is a significant cause of stress. They're worried about their jobs. They're worried about where they're going to get the, the next dollar for food. I mentioned earlier that most marriage arguments start as a, uh, as a relationship to the stress in their marriage. And the truth is that many people are in bondage to their finances. When Jesus stood up in the temple and he gave the, the famous dissertation, he talked from Isaiah 61.1. He spoke from Isaiah 61.1 and he said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are in bondage. I'm really thankful that we're part of a church that believes in teaching people freedom, how to become free. We sang about today that we find freedom in Christ, that we find freedom when he's, he's with us, his spirit. Where his spirit is, there is freedom, and that's the truth. So I'm glad that they, allow, they teach uh, the, the, the freedom that comes with that. And we've been talking about it, Pastor Chad and I have been talking about it lately, that we want to talk with you about releasing you from the bondage of financial stress and financial worry, that there is financial freedom to be had. But I want to stop and say, please understand, this is not a prosperity gospel. That's not what this is about at all. I don't believe God wants you to be destitute, and I don't believe that he wants everybody to be rich, but I do believe he wants to give you what you need. I do believe he knows what you need. The challenge is when we pray, we ask him for what we want rather than asking him to fill our need. It's hard when we get to that place that when we're talking with God and we're saying, Lord, I, I need this, I want this, I, I, I need to have financial peace. And sometimes he stops and says, well, what are you doing about that beside praying? Because sometimes our relationship with God is, is a give and take. I could sit here and pray, God, give me the ability to play that piano right there and just stand here and wait for the ability to, to slap down and, and bless me. And then I'd sit over there and pray, play, and you guys would pray to have me off the stage. <laughs> I recognize that, that Jessica didn't get the ability to play that way just by looking at the keys. She actually put her fingers to the keys and she sat for hours when others were doing other things that were more enjoyable. 
That's, that's very enjoyable to her. Don't, 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 don't hear me when I say that. Don't hear me when I say that, okay? It's very enjoyable. <laughs> but she didn't just automatically wake up one morning and have the ability to play the piano. And you and I, just because we have a dollar in our pocket, don't automatically know how to hold on to that dollar or how to use that dollar for the glory of God. All of this has to do something unique. Whenever we start talking about finances and money in church, one of the first reactions I hear, I'm a, I have 15 years as a senior pastor, so I understand that when we ever start talking about church and money, that's the first thing people say is, all you guys ever talk about is church and money. You always have the basket out. That's not what this is about. But I want you to understand something. 16 of 38 parables of Jesus deal with money. One out of every 10 verses in the New Testament deal with money. Scripture has 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 verses on faith, but over 2,000 verses on money and materialism. The problem is Satan has distorted that. You know, the first lie in the garden, how did Satan start that first lie? Did he really say? And that's what he's telling us with about our money. God didn't want you to give that away. God didn't, no, it doesn't matter that you spend it on that. You'll save next paycheck. You'll do something with the money next time. And then when that phone call comes from a, a beloved brother or sister that, that needs financial help and you have no ability because you've chosen to use that money rather than set some aside for God and his glory. So the first point is it's a lie. Satan has lied to you. My encouragement to you is don't buy into it. Don't buy into it. The second point is this. God first. This seems so easy. And it's one of the first ones he told us. If you look at the Ten Commandments and you look at Exodus 23, the first thing he tells us, you shall have no other gods before me. Now, I'm a word geek. So I like when I, when I studied this, I studied what you shall not is what he's saying. You shall have no it's an adamant finger in the face pointing at you saying, you will not. Don't even think about it. Don't come another step closer. This is not going to work. It's that kind of emphasis that God's putting on it. We're not going to discuss this. You shall have no other gods before me. And we understand him to be a jealous God too. He wants our undivided attention. He doesn't want to share our time with materialism. He doesn't want to be hearing about it all the time. He doesn't want to be spending that, that precious time with you in prayer Hearing about your, your desire for materialism and your desire for things. Your relationship with money is an extremely important issue for two reasons. Because it speaks to the relationship that you have with God and it speaks to your character. It's important that you know how to manage what God has given you. There's so many verses about it and I'll share some with you in a minute. But Pastor Chad told a story one time about a gentleman who came to me or called him and said, would you pray for me to win the lottery? It was like a, over a billion dollars, I think, the big lottery. And he asked Pastor Chad, would you pray to God that I would win that lottery and I could give it all away? And Pastor Chad said something very profound. He said, if you cannot be trusted with the little that you have, he will not trust you with more. And that's a hard truth for you and for me. If we are in a situation that we need more, that we've put ourselves in a position that more would make our life better, 
And I mean in the sense that it would be less stressful. We need to be certain that the little that he gives us we use wisely, that we use for his glory, that we use for his honor. Dr. Luke wrote in Luke 16, 10, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Your relationship with money is, is critical because it reflects upon your character. How many times have we heard in the news of someone who overstepped their boundary and took something that was not theirs, and when you thought about that person or if you knew someone of that nature, you'd say, I would have never thought that they would have done that. I've been in the financial planning business for 27 years, and I meet a bunch of different people and all kinds of families. And there's always that one person that you meet that you say, I would have never expected them to make that decision financially with their money. I didn't expect them to go beyond those boundaries, but they did because they allowed the, the pressure of the world telling them that they needed to do something different. You needed to have it. You deserve that. And that's the difficult nature that we're in. Paul wrote in his first letter to Timothy, 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 19, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that they truly, that is truly life. One of the challenging things in life that, that I've begun to greatly enjoy is this thing that Terry and I call uh, God math. Whereas when we think we don't have enough to, to give or we don't have enough to make ends meet, but yet another... Uh, another very important need comes from the church. A family member, a brother or a sister needs something, and we make the decision, okay, I'm, I'm going to forego this and give to that. God has the ability to multiply in a way that you can't imagine. And we called it God math because it, was, it just did not work. We were part of a food ministry at one church, and uh, there would be times the pastor had established uh, a limit on how much could be spent at the food bank. And we would regularly go over that amount. But in every single month, God would replace the amount that we went over. Every single month. Because the money was being used for his glory. And the money was being used for his good. And I believe he does that in your family life too. I've seen it too many times where uh, God, someone has given in such a meaningful and, and precious way. That God has said, I'm going to reward you. Now, I'm not suggesting that give so you can get something back from God. Or give and then expect God to give you that amount back or an, amount, an abundant amount back. He might do that. The reality is it's going to be the blessing that you're going to receive from him. And it might take form and shape in a way that you did not expect it. I thought about bringing an apple up here tonight. Because there's one thing that you can do. Inside an apple there are seeds. You can count the seeds inside an apple but you can't count the, the apples inside a seed. And what I wanted to explain to you is it's the same thing with you or I. Think of dollars as seeds. You have a choice to either consume it or you have a choice to plant it. And if you consume it, it's gone. You don't get it back. There's no way to remake it. 
But if you plant it, it produces a harvest beyond what you could imagine. It produces a tree that produces more apples that have more seeds. So we have to be careful with what kind of harvest we're planting. As I mentioned, all, over all these years, I've had the, the privilege of meeting with numerous families, hundreds of families, and talk with them about their finances. And one of the, the most common concerns that I receive back is, there's too much month for the money that I have. When, <laughs> come on, we've all been there at least once in our life. But when I sat there and looked at it with them, when I really reviewed it, when we talked about everything, the reality was they were making good money. So I'd stop and I'd ask them, do you know where everything is going? Do you know how you spend? Some time ago, I wrote an article about the $84,000 mocha. And I wrote it probably 15 years ago when Starbucks was just getting hot and you could buy a Starbucks coffee for about $2.50, a mocha for about $2.50. So that was a while ago. But if you, and that was for someone who bought a mocha every single day. So I took that, and as a math geek, I just took all those numbers and multiplied it out over the life of their retirement. And it turned out to be that one cup of coffee over every day for the rest of your life would be $84,000. Now, I ended the article with see you at Starbucks, but it was still the importance of we have to remember that we need to know where every bit of our money is going. It's important to know that. Proverbs 27, 23 through 27 says this, Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. For riches are not forever, nor does the crown endure to all generations. When the hay is removed and the tender grass shows itself, the herbs of the mountains are gathered in. The lambs will provide your clothing and the goats the price of a field. You will have enough goat's milk for your food, for the food of your household, and the nourishment of your maidservants. One of the things I enjoy about Proverbs is there's always two pieces to each proverb that's written. There's a what, there's a why, there's an if, there's a then. Well, in this situation, the what and the why are is if you will be diligent to know everything about your finances. In this case, it's the, the, the flocks and the, and the herds and the crops. And the, the why of that is that they'll provide enough for your clothing. If you do not know where every dollar of your income goes, you will never have financial freedom. I know, never say never, but that's the case. If you don't know where every dollar of your money goes, you will never have financial freedom. You can't do it. Think of the times that you run down to the ATM. Think of the times that you slide the debit card, and it can add up very, very quickly. And that's the challenge that we find ourselves in. Now, some of us can master it very well. I still get that burning urge every now and then, hey, I need to go. No, I need not. And it's important that you set your own limits and you set your own boundaries. And if you're in a relationship, have an accountability with your partner that says, look, we won't spend more than this unless we talk with each other. We won't spend more than this if it's outside the budget. I know budget's a dirty word when we talk about our finances, but if you don't know how you save and spend, you'll never have enough for financial freedom. My final point is this, and, and God kind of gave me this this afternoon was it's your money or your life. And it sounds kind of funny, but if you stop and think about it for a second, it speaks to one of the greatest lies that Satan will teach you. He'll tell you that happiness is found in things. He'll tell you that you're not going to be happy unless you have this or that. You're not going to be happy if you spend, unless you spend this money. And he's created this golden idol called materialism. 
And he'll tell you every day, hey, come worship at its feet. Go ahead, buy more things, have more stuff. It's okay. And the reality is it's not okay. We need to understand that, God, that Satan is lying, lying to us. Even though you and I have spiritual riches beyond compare, we still get stuck on the stuff we have and the stuff we don't have. And there's a lot of times we can look at the things out there that are nicer than what we drive, nicer than what we wear, and nicer than what we have at home. And the reality is we need to stop and look at what we have. And remember that there are a lot of people that have less than what you and I have. We are the richest nation in the world. We live in the fifth most powerful economy in the world. And we live in the tenth most expensive county in the world. That's pretty impressive. If you woke up this morning and were able to put shoes on your feet, clothes on your body, and food in your belly, you're luckier than a lot of people in the world. And we need to look back and we need to say thank you, Lord, for that blessing. Amen. When Satan begins to lie to us about peace being found in happiness, we need to stop and say, no, peace is found only in the Prince of Peace. That's the only place we're going to find true peace, and that's by, great, by praising Jesus every time we get a chance for all the nice things that we have. And it's hard, though. Open up a newspaper, turn on a radio, turn on a TV, drive past the neighbor's yard, drive past their house. You know, if you're still in school, looking at the other kids' shoes, clothes, kind of cool backpack they got, who's got the better phone. It's hard. It's out there. It's waving at you all the time saying, come on over. But if we stop and think about it, in the grand scheme of life, money is a very little thing. But the way we handle it has heavenly implications. The way that we handle our money can affect us in heaven. When Jesus was talking in Matthew 25, 21, he told the parable and he ended it with this. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Jesus made it clear that the, the true mark of, of spirituality is the, the attitude that we have toward uh, financial wealth. And he looks at it and he says, your preoccupation cannot be with that. Your preoccupation has to be with me. And you cannot be preoccupied with wealth. That's a funny thing to say for a guy who spends his life working with people building wealth. And it's a unique place to be as Christians because we know that at some point Jesus is coming back. And it's closer today than it was yesterday. And as Pastor asked this weekend, how many of you are ready to go home today? Most people would say, well, okay. You know. I answered him still, come Lord Jesus. You know, I, if, I, if you think I'm done, I'm done. But I think there's more to be done. And it impacts the way that we have a relationship with him. Because it talks about what is temporal and what is eternal. You're talking about things of this world that will rust, that will tear up, that will die away. And we're talking about things that are eternal that will last forever. And a long time ago, a pastor friend of mine asked a question of the church. He said, if you cannot trust God with your wallet, how can you ever trust him with your eternal life? And that's a hard question to answer. Because it's easy for us to say, yes, Lord, come live in my life. Come have everything about me, but keep your hands off my wallet, Jesus. You're going to have an argument. We're afraid to let him show us that we can trust him for the provision. 
We're afraid to just lay our, 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 bi- our, our books in front of him. Our, I was about to call them quick books, but to lay down the, the checkbooks in front of you and say, Father, it is yours. But Scripture will tell us if we'll turn everything over to him, if we'll trust him for absolutely everything, he will provide. He reminds us of that. But i got to agree with you. I know some of you are looking at me like, Russ, that's, there's, I get it, but I've got $14 in the checkbook and I've got rent due next week. I hear you. And God hears you too. And the question is, are you going to debate with God spiritually about his ability to provide for you or are you going to trust him? Really trust him. And when you wake up in the middle of the night crying because you can't figure out where the next coming, check's coming from, he'll comfort you. He will love on you. And he'll whisper those words that will promise you, I've never left you, and I'm not going to this time. Amen? The prophet Isaiah wrote, Isaiah 52, 55, 2, Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labor on what does not satisfy? Our attitude about finances will speak to our orientation with God. If our relationship with God is off even just a little bit, we're going to miss the mark. And he's going to miss his opportunity. Not He's going to miss his opportunity. We're going to miss his opportunity for him to bless us. In Revelation, Jesus is writing the letters to all the seven churches. In the church, of the Laodicean church, you remember that one, that's the hot or cold, lukewarm, that's the one. He's talking to them. And he says, you say I am rich, uh, Revelation 3, 17 and 18. I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy for me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve you to put on your eyes so you can see. What he's telling us right there is that you can have everything you need if you will trust him. If we don't get all puffed up in who we are, if we don't look at him and say, well, I just got to, you should see the car I drive now. You should see the, the amount in my checkbook. You should see this or that. When we start getting to the place where we take credit for the money that we have, when we take credit for the things that he has provided us and we forget to give him the blessing, the answer that you just saw is he's telling you that. You don't believe me that you're wretched, that you're blind, that you're naked, that you're poor, because this money stuff doesn't matter. I have never once performed a funeral for someone who had a hearse and a U-Haul. Never. (laughs) Can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. It's about what you can do with it here. And it's about who you can glorify with it here. And it's important that you spend your time and, and you consider that as I, I'll finish with this. The three truths again. It's a lie. God first. And it's your money or your life. Those are foundational for you to understand. To develop into a, a rock solid place that you get, that you'll know without any question I'm honoring God with my money. He's allowing me to bless others, and I have everything I need. We need to learn to be content, to be satisfied, not wishing for more. Mae West is famously quoted as saying this, I've been poor and I've been rich. 
Believe me, honey, rich is better. Now compare that to what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4, 11 through 13. I am not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any way and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Say it with me. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. We have to say that in context. We can't just throw that out there for any situation that we're in. We have to remember that Paul was in prison. Paul had been beaten severely. He was about to be killed. And he was relating this, this feeling that, look, I've had the best of the world and I've had the worst of the world. And I know how to be content either way. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's important that you and I are content with what we have as well. That's where the enemy gets that little lie and starts the earworm that says, you're not contented, you're unhappy. You'll only be happy if you have more. The reality is that some of the stuff that we have with us clutters our lives. Any of you have a storage unit with stuff? Been there, done that. We got to remember that it's not about the stuff. It's about the one. Our life's got to be focused on him. Our life has got to be looking toward him. He'll give us true contentment. Pastor Chad believes in this so much that he is doing something that I am uh, really, really excited to be able to do with y'all. On August 20th, we're putting on a one-day workshop starting about 9, ending about 3. And we're going to sit down and we're going to look at the basics. We're going to look at what it means to be financially free and how you can take positive, corrective steps to get to that point. Where when God calls you and says, I need you to go with me over to the Philippines, we're going to do a mission. And you don't stop and say, well, Lord, I, I want to go, but I, I don't have. Or it's going to be important when God says, hey, I'm sending that young man over to the Philippines. I need you to go with me. Of what I've blessed you, I need you to buy into that. Those are the foundational truths of what we're to do with our money. Yes, eating is important. Yes, having a home over our, our heads is important. But we have to remember that there are other things more important than that. The spiritual truth is that someone's life might depend upon it, on how you and I handle our money. So we're going to have more information in the bulletins. We're going to have more information on the website, I'm told. And it's important that you seek God first to get truth and, and humble correction, if necessary, about your finances. And I want to encourage those who have done very, very well with their money, whom God has blessed because they've been a giving person or a giving family. If you've been very, very successful, there are things that I can help you with as well. Because there are ways that you can turn your success into someone else's success as well. There are ways that you can do that. God has, has revealed to me some different things that, that we can look at. And as well, what's more important than that is if you have been successful with your money, I can learn from you. So I encourage you to come as well. I encourage all of you, if you have a question, if you have a need, Jeremy spoke about it earlier, if you have a, a financial need in your life, if this is something you feel you could benefit from, I encourage you, join us on August 20th. Would you stand with me as we pray?
Father, we come this evening, and first of all, Lord, we ask if we have been unfaithful with what you have blessed us with, we beg your forgiveness. Lord, we ask that you'd help us, that we would know the, the true depth of the spiritual blessing that you have given us through our, our financial means. And God, if you're asking that we should go, if you're asking that we should share our success, and if you're asking, Lord, to help others, I'm asking, Lord, that you give us the strength to do that. Lord, it's hard sometimes to step out and trust you, but we need that this morning, this evening. We need to trust you even more today than yesterday. And God, I pray for all the families that are represented here. I pray for those in financial need, and I'd ask, Lord, that you would provide for them beyond just the financial position, but give them true spiritual comfort and peace. Holy Spirit, rest upon the homes of, of those who are struggling and those who are of abundance. I pray that you would be the first in their life, that you, God, would have the blessing of their attention undivided. And Lord, we trust you for these things, and we glorify you in all that we do and all that we say. And the church said, amen. 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 God bless you.